when you step into your purpose and when you step into your power and you don't listen to the people that can't understand what you're doing um it's like if you if you put your hand over your face when people are giving you advice they can only see from the filters that are in front of their face they can only see through certain filters so people are going to tell you oh julie you shouldn't do that i mean i have more people are like Julie, why are you doing that? Because it, it literally brings me to tears because it's so, it's so right. And everything that I went through in the, the teaching and the training and the facilitation and all that has brought me to exactly this point. And if I didn't step forward and I didn't step into my purpose. And if I didn't step into my power, what a disservice I would be doing to so many other people by not doing it. Mic drop. I'm Michelle Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel, a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer, words Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? I've been so excited for this. I'm like, oh, and mine launches March 31st. So, awesome. You must be so excited. I, I'm I'm totally terrified, but I'm super excited. I finished my second episode today and edited it, and uh, yeah, so it's it's gonna be good. It is, and I've told like I would love to have you on my podcast because I love the title of your podcast, "A Chronicle of Endings." Uh, I love that. You know, um, it was such a weird thing. I, um, I I mentioned it briefly in the um, introduction to my podcast, but it's a little bit of a momentum behind a novel I've written called Chronicle of Endings. Cool. Yeah. So that's the book I wrote, but actually the book I wrote was just a, a started out as a writing exercise from a little 11 line poem I wrote called Chronicle of Endings. 
and oh, <laughs> I was writing another book and I got a bit of a writer's block and I just thought oh you know what like it's fine if I if I don't know where to go I'll just stop and do this writing exercise so I'm still writing and then the writing exercise ended up to be my book called Chronicle of Endings and it ended up to be this podcast that you're on today. (laughs) I I love it and you know the the fact that you like in your introduction you wanted to talk to men to give them a platform to be able to share because they don't usually get that type of a platform but that you're also working with women as well. I was like I see you girl I see what you're doing I see what you're doing (laughs) thank you well yeah I mean it's something I really believe in actually because men often especially over the last generation you know my parents generation and and um beyond haven't really had the opportunity to express their difficulties or to talk in an honest open way Um, because they always had to be the strong one and the leader of the family and, you know, um, um, uphold this, this strength. Yeah, I see. And I'm probably your parents age. I'm 53. So you're probably my kids age. You look like you're probably one of my kids age. My, my son is 20 is 31, almost 32. Well, I'm 37. Oh, so, (laughs) uh, yeah um but yeah I mean it's uh yeah it's just something that I really believe in and in the novel aside I think it's such an important thing to to provide a place for people to talk about their stories because we're all the same you know and and that's why I I didn't want to say I'm only going to talk to men because my goodness like we're all human beings and um we all have these stories we all have these difficulties we all have this trying to to get through life and life is really hard and really challenging sometimes um yeah. and nice to know that you're not alone and men men struggle a lot with it and and it's funny because like my program is is really designed about around women because my thought process is a little different um and if you want to ask me about it, I, I'll, I can answer it too in, in, in the podcast. But for me, it's like we as women are the nurturers, we're the birthers, we're the ones that are always taking care of everyone else. We never put our own oxygen mask on. And so the whole Phoenix and all of that is designed to reclaim you so that when you're healed, then you have the ability to heal your children, your spouse, your families, your community, and eventually the world. And so that's my thought process behind the whole Phoenix that, and I've had to rise. I can't even, it's like, I've spent years in the ashes and every single time I rise. And so that's why I have that off to my, off to my back behind me. So. Yeah. It's a really beautiful analogy and you're so right. Women are so ingrained um, in the notion of putting everybody else and everything else before them. Like, you know, their whole identity becomes themselves as a mother or themselves as a wife or themselves as whatever vocation that they do. And, and, um, and they just really lose a sense of themselves apart from those things. Yeah. 
Um, I know that today, the, the second episode that I recorded today was really about stories because I shared my own story of the like the last seven months. And it truly is about stories because in the stories from the time that we were like the beginning of mankind, however you believe or wherever it comes from. But if you, if you think back, that's how it's all stories. We tell our children stories. We tell our um, community stories of how we came to be. And the one we tell the most stories to is ourselves. Yeah. Like we tell ourselves these stories and we start these belief systems in our head. And, and it tells us that we're too tall, we're too short, we're too fat, we're too thin, we're too this, we're too light, we're too dark, we're just too much. And that's not accurate. We're, you can never be too much for the people that love you and care about you. Yeah. People that don't, that you're always going to be too much for. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting you say stories because that, that was my whole thing today was all about stories because we all have one and it's really about owning your story, loving your story, being proud of your story because there's somebody that is fighting darkness, that is fighting depression, that's fighting anger, that's fighting all of the things that you're going through or that you have gone through that needs to hear your story. Yeah. And when we stifle it and and think that it's not good enough and it's not worthy enough and we're going to get judged and so and so is going to think this about me and so who cares somebody needs your story yeah yeah and also just it's so important not to as you said the stories that you tell yourself not to constantly live in that thing that you your parents told you growing up or that thing your school teacher told you you, you were never smart enough or you you know you use stories to um to validate your fears and live life in a much smaller way because you keep telling yourself what you can't do or you know who you are that's not enough yeah that's and we do it and especially like the the women that are in my courses i i listen and i ask them their story and when they tell their story it's all about what they can't, you just said it, what they can't do. Because we're told, don't do that. Don't be too loud. Don't, it's braggadocious. You're just being egotistical. You know, who do you think you are to be able to think you can do that? Ooh. Marianne Williamson, my favorite poem, who are you not to do it? Who are you to stay small when you were designed to be big and to serve the world? Yeah. And you were given this life, like they say, you there's an important question that you should ask yourself like who is the main character in your life and if it's not you well shoot I mean you've you've really you really have to reassess yeah because you what happens is if I'm not the main character in my story that means I've given somebody else the pen yeah. and the permission to write my story and I'm not going to give anybody else the pen to my story because then I'm going to follow some doctrine or some predestined thing where I don't get to create my life. Yeah. And, you know, like the endings that happen and the grief that happens and the rebirth that happens, if you give somebody else the pen, you're never going to experience it. Yeah. And to me, that's the ultimate in tragedy. Yeah. And, and, also terrifyingly you're perhaps not going to live the potential life that you could have lived or you were given this life 
to to do yeah your soul is calling you your soul is saying michelle come this way come this way i have something for you and you're like well, no, I, I gave the pen to this person over here. And, and there's a very, I, I have a just deep belief that you were called here. You chose this life to do something fantastic. But the minute you hand that pen away, I don't want to, I don't want to die and have all of my dreams standing around my bed crying because I didn't do it because I was scared because I, I step back instead of stepping forward. And, and some of the, the biggest challenges and the biggest, you know, endings that I've had have spurned the biggest amounts of growth for me. And I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I, oh my God, I love my life right now. It's in every evolution of my life is terrifying, but every evolution of my life, it just becomes bigger and it becomes I know that I find my purpose more and and is it scary hell yeah it's scary but I just have to just it's just keep putting one foot in front of the other and having the faith that I'm gonna be okay I've made it to today I'm sitting here I'm talking to you so I've made it through 100% of my bad days yeah and some of them have been real bad yeah but I made it through yeah. And now I get to take that and be able to share it with other people so that if they're going through the same thing, that they can be like, okay, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. You know what I recognize from personal experience, Julie, is that sometimes you start to live a life in a direction that you didn't anticipate or didn't want. And you find yourself so far up that path that you get quite lost and you don't know you maybe you know where you want to be but you don't you don't see a way to get there you don't understand how to get from where you are to where you want to be um if it's so if it's so far away from what you're currently doing i it's funny because my job like one of the biggest transitions and and endings that I've had recently is um, I lost my job. I got fired. And my whole identity was this job. It was a corporate job for a fortune 500 company. Um, I traveled all over the country. I even got to travel outside of the country for them. I taught and I trained and I spoke and I did all of this for eight and a half years. I picked up and moved from the West coast of the United States to Chicago and from Chicago down to Pensacola, where I'm at now in Florida. And when I lost my job, I knew for the last probably three years, I knew there was something more, but it seemed like it was so far away. Number one. And number two, I was so dedicated to what I was doing and I was so wrapped up in, in the financial, what I was receiving, I was looking at, okay, this is what I want to do with my life, but there's no way to hell I'm going to give up this salary because, you know, I'm going to lose my house and I'm going to be homeless again. And, and, and your mind just really messes with you. And when I got fired, it was, it was terrifying because I thought, okay, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my car. I'm going to lose all this. And I was so focused on what I would lose. However, it was amazing when I finally figured out that if I just trust the process 
and focus on where I'm at and what I'm excited for and do the little things where I'm at now and follow the path that's unfolding for me instead of trying to manhandle it and change it and control it and force it to be something that it isn't. Um, and I think that you just, you keep getting reminders because even after I got fired, even after I got fired, I was trying to manhandle the situation. I was calling all the people in the industry. I was, I was, I taught and trained stylists, hairstylists all over the country. And that was what I did. And so I was reaching out to everybody they knew in the industry. I'm like, Hey, are you guys hiring? Hey, are you guys hiring? And nobody was hiring. And I was so panicked. And then not even three weeks later, hurricane Sally came and, and literally I woke up in the middle of the night and stepped into water and my house was flooding. I had three and a half feet of water in my house. And so I was literally forced to come to a screeching halt, complete screeching halt. I lost everything. I didn't even, I, I didn't even own a pair of shoes when this was over. And it has been a challenging yet extremely rewarding journey because in that loss and in that devastation and when you, when you're, I was sitting in my living room and they come in and they take the walls and um, the room I'm in now, actually the, up to four feet, they tear all your walls out. So all you see are the studs in the walls because they don't want mold and stuff to grow. And I'm sitting in my living room and, and my furniture is out on the curb and, and I'm sitting in this destruction and it's the smell is just horrible. And, and I'm watching people come by and they're taking my stuff, you know, they're taking my couch and they're, they're, they're scavenging all my stuff that's out on the curb. And I'm sitting there and, and I thought to myself, I understand now what shock and grief feels like, even though I'd been through it before, it had been so long since I'd had a situation that rocked me to my core that I had kind of gotten real used to having a real magical life. And so all of a sudden it wasn't so magical anymore. Here I am unemployed. July 11th, I'd broken my wrist in three places, which was my dominant hand, so I couldn't write. I could barely do anything. I lost my job. I'm in the middle of a pandemic, and now I've lost my house. I've lost all my belongings. I don't have anywhere to live. And now I truly have to lean back and allow Gus, God, universe, whatever you want to call it, lead me instead of me just charging ahead and going, oh, well, I'm just, a, you know, I'm Julie the badass. I'm just going to create something. No, it's, I got the message. Lean back and let me lead you. And so through that, I was introduced to mentors who helped me develop a brand, who helped me release my first course and, and it sold out. And then all of a sudden, all of the pieces are falling together. And now everything with my podcast and being a guest on your podcast and, and being able to do these things, it's like, okay, so, and to use the title of your podcast, the Chronicle of My Ending is just truly the the revolution of my beginning so i get to now begin again and i think that when you can look at the endings see them as a gift find the lesson that turns into a blessing that's when your life starts to turn around
And that's when you start to go, okay, I'm going to be okay. Been, I've been through some stuff before. I've made it through 100% of my bad days. So let's, let's look at this at an adventure. What are we going to do now? What's coming now? That's so well said. Yeah, that's a really beautiful perspective. Um, and I think that's, that's the wonderful thing about life throwing us around and about endings is sometimes you wouldn't make that change for yourself. And I think sometimes the universe has to step in. And if you won't make that change, then it will make your life increasingly and increasingly uncomfortable. And if you still don't make the change, it will come in and pull the rug out from under you and make you move when you have to move. Exactly. And I, and, and we get into, and I see it a lot, like the women that, that I work with and my clients, the first thing they do is they're like, well, why is this happening to me? What did I do? And, you know, God, the universe, whatever they don't let, he doesn't love me anymore. And da, 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 da. And I'm and I always have to say, okay, we're going to pause. First of all, nothing is being done to you. It's being done for you. There is a lesson that we have to learn through this. And sometimes the lessons suck. Sometimes they shatter your heart into a gazillion pieces and you don't think that you can possibly pick up three or four to try and mend your heart. But every day you'll find another piece that you can put it back together and another piece comes back together and another piece comes back together. And through that journey, you empower the the people that are coming behind you watching your journey. And it's never over until you give up. And there's, there's a, a, a saying, um, and I don't know who it's from, but it, it has given me comfort through my hard times when I feel like, oh, wow, you know, I, I, this is a lot. This is, this is a lot. Why, why? Do I seem to have such a difficult life? Um, but when you hear things like, well, the greatest trials are preparing you for the greatest future, then you really can see, oh, perhaps this has some kind of meaning. Perhaps this is all good and this is taking me somewhere that I and not currently, and this is beautiful. And we, and this is hard for people to hear. And when I say this, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, that's just your woo-woo stuff and whatever. We ask for it. We, we put it out there. We say, okay, this is my dream. This is what I want. I want this so bad. I want it. I want it. I want it. So then the universe starts putting the pieces and things in and we, we start ignoring them. And like you said, and, and then things start happening and you get little signs then you get bigger signs. And then pretty soon you get smacked upside the head with a billboard. And it's really about understanding you asked for the dream. And one of my favorite posters is there's a ballet dancer and it says, you only see this. And it shows her up on her toes in these beautiful ballet slippers, it says, you don't see this. And it's her feet that are just blistered and bleeding and raw. And people don't understand that sometimes you have to be broken and bleeding and raw to be able to learn the lesson that will get you to your blessing. That, 
you know, the mess is in the message. There's a thousand acronyms that you can use for it. And, and it really is about understanding that it's sometimes you've got to learn that to be able to get to that next level. You have to, st- I tell the, my friends this, and I, t- I've, I tell my kids this, cause I've got three ad- adult children and three grandchildren. And I tell them, listen, you, before you can get to that next level, you have to stand in front of the wall of your demons. And your demons are going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to scream at you. And what it takes is you plucking them out one by one and just saying, you know what? I have no use for you anymore. You mean nothing to me anymore. Thank you for the lesson. Thank you for the blessing. I'm ready to move on now. But until you can stand in front of that wall of demons and when you've gone through the the grief and and the pain and you can stand there and be strong. And even if your knees are shaking and your voice is quaking, you still have to face the wall of the demons at that level. And then when you get to that next one, guess what? There's just going to be a different devil at the next level. So you can also decide that you're more powerful than those demons. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, they're there to kind of build strength for you. Because if we just skated through life and it was just all happy and unicorns and rainbows and sprinkles, you, we wouldn't appreciate it. Every day that I wake up and I walk through my house, I am so grateful because I have a house. Every day that I get to get on to my computer and do, do my podcast or work with one of my clients and, and, and help to transform and elevate their life in some way, shape, or form, I am so grateful. Every single time that I'm able to do, when I go to the gym and I'm able to do a push-up, I'm grateful because even though my wrist will never be the same, I can still do things. And so it's really about finding that gratitude once you're on the other side. When you're in the middle of it, I, I wasn't grateful for anything when I was sitting in the middle of it. Nothing, what not did one you, thing. What did you learn about your possessions in your home by losing everything? It's stuff. It literally is stuff. Uh, when it hurt, when I, I think like the, the, most of my stuff was just stuff. It's, it's like, it's a chair, it's, it's a desk. It's, you know, it's just stuff. There were some very sentimental things that meant a lot to me that my mom and dad had given me. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm alive. My dog made it out. Um, I got back in my house and no matter how great the loss was, I'm okay. I'm still alive. And I still, I, things are things. And yes, we attach a lot of meaning to them. And there's so many things like I lost so many pictures that, that just, oh my gosh, I, I, I opened a box in the garage. I thought, you know, when, when I stepped into water, my whole house wasn't underwater yet. And so I came running into this room and I had a big dresser. And so I just started tossing some of the boxes that I knew had pictures in there up on the dresser. And I thought I got them all. And when I was in my garage cleaning out stuff, I opened a box and it had pictures in it and it it brought me to my knees. And I had a moment 
because there were pictures in there that I can't ever replace, that are memories that I can't ever replace. Those were the things that hit me the hardest. The couches, the bed, that stuff, I can replace that. And I think just to reconcile for other people who have lost everything, the the most important things seem to be the memories. So the photos, it's not the photos that you're holding on to, it's the memories. So if you happen to have lost those things, you still have the memories attached to them. So you can start writing, you can, you know, you can start writing about your mother, you know, this is what her hair looked like, this is what her voice sounded like, this is what you know, this is what our life was like when I was young. Those memories are still there and you can still hold on to them in a different medium. Yeah, that, that I love that. That is phenomenal. I Because so many of the pictures I found were like of my kids, you know, my son when he was little. And that's a fantastic idea to be able to write about, you know, when you were this age, this is what you did. And this is how, you know, our family was. And this is what we went through. And that's a brilliant idea. I love that because then you get to create the memories. Yeah. And I think part of the pictures were because I found some of the pictures that I'd forgotten the memories. Yeah. And it reminded me about how amazing my life truly has been. And at the end of the day, it's stuff. So you have, you have, been homeless before do you want to talk about that so I have and you'll learn with me there's no subject off limits um and uh I I'm pretty much I am an open book I have almost 31 years of sobriety so I started drinking when I was 12 and I got sober when I was almost 22 I kind of did it a little bit backwards (laughs) But when I was 18, I thought I knew everything. And so I, my mom and dad finally did the tough love and said, we love you. We are not going, we choose not to participate in this life that you were creating. We love you, but we choose not to participate. And so I was on the streets of Seattle and I had no place to live. So I would go to uh, a drug dealer. I found drug dealers and I would volunteer to sell drugs in the clubs. So they would pay for me to get into the, to the club and I would go in there and I would sell the drugs for them. And uh, what I would do is I would, when I got the money, I had to give it to the dealer. So I still didn't have any money. He paid me in drugs. But what I would do is I would find people that were partying and I would be like, hey, where's the after party? Oh, that sounds great. Hey, I'm gonna hang out with you. Because I knew if I went to the after party, then I might have some place to sleep. And I remember uh, very vividly, I fell asleep one time outside. I was really high and I was really drunk and I fell asleep outside in the alley. And I woke up to some guy peeing on me because I was so out of it. I was out of my mind. Um, And I woke up and I thought, I come from an affluent family. What the hell am I doing? But I knew I couldn't go back because I wasn't ready to give up what I, what in my mind was a great life. I was dealing drugs and going to stand at people's houses and 
So I decided to get a job and I, so I started selling magazines door to door. And what happened is I, I got with this group of people and we traveled all over the United States, like all over the United States. So that way I didn't have to be quote unquote homeless. Um, but I got to Florida, decided to be on my own. And so then I would sleep on the beach because it was beautiful. So I'd sleep on the beach and then I would go when the restaurants would open, I'd go in the bathroom and kind of do a hooker bath. And, you know, I had my backpack of clothes and that was pretty much how I lived my life. Very vagabondish. But um, the worst part of it was when I was living in Seattle and living on this, living literally on the streets without a roof over my head. I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. I didn't, it was just, but once again, I got that nudge to get that job to travel around. So at least I could stay at hotels and I wasn't homeless. When you say that you weren't ready to let go of the life you had, the party and things like that, was it the freedom you wanted or the fun or meeting people? You know, looking back, and it's funny because uh, because the amount of drug use that I did do, sometimes my memories uh, get real fuzzy. I remember the reason why I didn't want to give it up is because I thought that I was cool. Because people came to me for drugs and um, I didn't, I was so scared to go home. I didn't want to go home and and I didn't want to face my mom and dad and my sister and my brother. I didn't want to face them and say that, that I was a loser or that I was an addict or an alcoholic, because at that point in time, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I was just, you know, living my best life, but I didn't want to see the judgment in their eyes because the shame was overwhelming. The shame was just, I mean, I think that that's why I used so much was because the amount of shame, because when my parents told me, Julie, we're done with you, we love you, but we're done with you. The amount of shame that I took on was monstrous. And that's a slippery slope to deal with your shame by using the things that cause you more shame. Yeah. It's that cycle of, I feel, I feel shame and I feel guilt and I feel anger. So I'm just going to go ahead and numb it with the very thing that causes me the most shame and the most guilt and the most anger because I couldn't step away from it. I thought I could, but the people that I started selling magazines for, for the first month, I didn't realize that half the time they paid us with drugs. They, they would give us cash or they would give us food or whatever but it was just another cycle. It wasn't healing. It wasn't, it was just another cycle. Does that experience change you later as a parent and how you speak to your children, how you relate to them through the years where they're becoming an adult and allowing them their own freedoms? It radically, I would say it radically shifted my parenting because I've never hid anything from my kids. So my oldest son is almost 32. I gave him up for adoption when he was two months old because I was deep in my disease and I knew that I was going to hurt him if I didn't release him, which now we're best friends and he, he and his wife and, and his, um, 
and my grandson's mom. So we're still very, we're all very close. And then I have my son, Malcolm, who I raised. And then I have my foster daughter, Tori. So Malcolm, it was just Malcolm and I for so long. And I remember when he started getting to that age of, you know, drugs and alcohol and those things started becoming a reality for him. I never hid anything. I never, I've never sugarcoated anything. I've never hid anything from him. I was very real about the things that I experienced and I would tell him, and and some people will think that I was like the worst parent in the world, but I'm like, dude, if you're going to try drugs, you're going to try them in the house so that I can, I'm here. So if something happens to you, I'm here. Do I want you to do drugs? No, I don't want you to do drugs, but if you're going to smoke weed, do it in the backyard. If you're going to drink, you're going to drink in the house where I know you're not out in a car, where you're not out with your friends, where you're not out in danger. And what was funny, the more freedom I gave him and the more open I was with my journey about being an addict and being homeless. And, and, you know, I, I told him about the, the, the horrible things that I experienced when I was on the street. When I told him about that, the less I worried about him because it was an open path of communication. I never told him, Malcolm, don't do that. You're bad if you do that. Because if I told him that he was bad for doing that, then I'm just reaffirming the shame that I had worked so hard to release. I would have just put it, I might as well just taken a bucket and poured it on myself again by telling him that he was bad or not worthy or he was a piece of crap for trying drugs. Because how can I sit there and be that hypocritical to my own child? So yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, there are things that I that I wish I would have done differently, but at the same time, he's a phenomenal young man right now. And he told me, mom, if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be who I am right now. He goes, and I love my life. So coming back to your youth, how did you get from sleeping on the beach to being the jet setter you finally became? So when I was in Florida, I was probably 19. Um, and in a blackout, I called my mom and my mom and my sister showed up in, I was in Hollywood, Florida. And my mom looked at me and she says, you have a choice. You can come home and you can go through the school of urban and wilderness survival and you can get clean and we will send you to school or you can die here. It's your choice. And so I went home and went and did all that stuff and within probably a year was back out on the street I wasn't homeless but I was back out on the street doing what I wanted to do and that's when I had my oldest son and after that I ended up in an AA meeting and I was like, I don't even want to be here. This is ridiculous. I don't have a problem. I don't even know why I'm here. And this lady started talking and she told my story. I was like, wait a minute, that, that, that's me. I went through that. And it just hit me like, oh my God. 
So I got sober and I started really taking care of myself. Uh, did I stumble and fall? Yeah, a whole lot. Um, and then I used what I had learned and being licensed in hair, my journey just kind of, it just has, like, we don't have enough, there's not enough hours in the day to be able to go over really how it happened, but just the path just kept lighting up for me. And I would just follow the nudges and I would follow what felt good, what I knew that resonated in my gut. I would follow that. And I ended up at a company that I went and, and went to a class and I looked at the educator and I was like, I want to do what you do. How do I do that? And she told me and I applied and the rest is history. So you finally made it. And then you think, um, wow, I worked so hard to get here. And um, then it becomes a really difficult thing to to call that ending. Well, and, and I truly believe that I, I, I know I did it to myself. I mean, Michelle, we, we do, we have the actions, we take the actions and there's always a, a result. And when COVID hit, I had to be in the house and my depression took off like, like gangbusters. And so then I broke my wrist and what happened in that short span is that my depression turned into aggression. And so my communication was wrong. Um, I, I was not a good corporate employee. And so, you know, I caused my termination and there were things that I did. Could they, they could have written me up and said, bad Julie, don't do that again and put me on a final written notice. But I think it happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen so that I could be where I'm at now. I would have never quit. I would still be working at that company. And you couldn't, there's not enough money in the world to, to if you said, Julie, we're going to pay you a million dollars a year to go back to that company. No, thank you. No, thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. I am so grateful for the lessons that you shared with me and that I learned, but no, thank you. And now you realize all of those difficulties along the way, all of the experiences, the good and the bad, all of the road bumps, everything was really lining up for where you are today and what you're doing. Yeah. It's if it, looking back, it, it's so funny because people say, oh, you know, hindsight is 2020. It really is. It really, you look back and you're like, oh, so that's why that happened. Well, it was a pretty crappy way of doing it universe. You know, <laughs> I, you could have been a little bit nicer to me but I wouldn't have listened if you were nicer. So yeah, exactly. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I look back and I see it and I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm good. Now, what are you doing to support people um, who have been where you've been and are going through what you have gone through? So I launched my company, it's Divine Phoenix Rising. And I released a course. I primarily work with women because like I said, we're the nurturers, we're the birthers. And I think that when we heal the divine feminine in each one of us, it allows us to help heal the divine masculine in others. So I have a six week course that I bring, that I bring women through where we go from understanding what universal signs are to finding the gift in a crash and burn and that failure is, is a beautiful thing. And 
then, you know, looking at shame and releasing shame and learning how to rise. And, and a lot of the women that go through my course end up being a one-on-one -on -one client with me because they're like, Julie, I need more of this. Um, I, and I'm very conscious of the part where there are women that their trauma is going to be more than I personally am comfortable or knowledgeable about dealing with. So I have no problem saying, listen, this is, this is deep. You, you need to go get some, some help. You need to go get further. There's somebody else that's going to have to help you. That's, you know, that's out of my realm of expertise. What I'm finding though, is that the women that go through my course, I'm very open with them. Like I, there's nothing that I hide. And my whole podcast, the reason why I'm also doing the podcast is because I want it to be, I can't reach as many people with just my course as I can a podcast. So I want to be able to talk about the things that I've been through. I want to be able to talk about the rape, the, I want to be talk about the homelessness. I want to be able to talk about abortion. I want to be able to talk about adoption and foster parenting and, you know, being fired and, and talking about the tragedies and not focused on the tragedies, but using those to be able to help women that might be sitting in that to get to the other side and to let them know that they're not alone in that and that the shame that they're feeling is it's self-inflicted and, and this is how you can, you can release it. And this is why you should release it because you're so worthy. And that's why I do what I do. Sometimes there's just not enough people in our lives who have the influence and ability to shift our mindset about certain things. And I think the way you think about your situation, your history and yourself and your future, your, your mindset is really everything. Yeah. And anybody that does mindset work, and it's such a buzzword nowadays, oh, mindset, mindset. However, if you have the ability to look at your life and, and lean back and look and say, okay, so what's working? Okay, then we're going to keep doing that. What's not working? Okay, what can we do different with that? And find the person that also can find your blind spots because we all have blind spots. And so sometimes it takes somebody to come in and show you your blind spot of what was holding you and keeping you stuck. So that now you can take it and go, oh, okay, well, I see that in my rear view mirror now. I position my mirror just a little bit. Thank you so much. Now I'm just going to trundle on down the road. But yeah, mindset is so important because your mental health. And I tell people all the time, I have crappy days. Everybody does. It's how you deal with the crappy days and being able to get out of a crappy day and realizing most of the time a crappy day is only a crappy moment that you just kept recycling for the rest of the day. So important to remember. I love what you're doing, Julie. I love the message. I love the idea. I think it is so, so important. And um, you speak so well. I can see all of those years uh, teaching, you know, about hair. Like it's really, it's really hitting home now in this moment. Um, when you, when the stars align and you can actually come into your purpose in this life. And it's, and it's funny because I, I'm sitting here and I'm getting choked up because 
when you step into your purpose and when you step into your power and you don't listen to the people that can't understand what you're doing. Um, it's like, if you, if you put your hand over your face, when people are giving you advice, they can only see from the filters that are in front of their face. They can only see through certain filters. So people are going to tell you, oh, Julie, you shouldn't do that. I mean, I have more people that are like, Julie, why are you doing that? Because it, it literally brings me to tears because it's so, it's so right. And everything that I went through in the, the teaching and the training and the facilitation and all that has brought me to exactly this point. And if I didn't step forward and I didn't step into my purpose, and if I didn't step into my power, what a disservice I would be doing to so many other people by not doing it. Mic drop. <laughs> Can I ask what's your podcast name? Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. <laughs> it's the same name as my course. So I my course is called Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. Uh, it is launching uh March 31st is my is my first my first day. And it was funny because even in my in my first one, I was like, I can't wait until we get to episode 150 so we can go back and listen to this one and go, holy crap, that was horrible. <laughs> and to see the elevation and the gains that that happen after you just kind of get used to it. So let's take um, a moment to recognize that every podcaster, I think, kind of starts out a little bit crappy. Let's be honest. I'm only... Uh, I mean, I've released 10 episodes and I can definitely recognize that I'm not the world's best speaker. I stumble over <laughs> it all the time. I think what's more important is that I'm a better podcast producer than I am a podcast speaker because at least I can fix it all up in the background. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got to start somewhere. And, and you know, okay. at the end of the day, Michelle, you did not walk outside climb on your two-wheel bicycle at four years old and take off down the street. It didn't happen. When you were trying to walk, you looked like a little drunken sailor and you fell on your butt and you fell on your butt and you fell on your butt, but you kept getting up. Eventually you walked and eventually you ran. So I think that in podcasting, you know, we're crawling and we're going to walk and we're going to run and, and, it's going to blaze a path for those that come behind us to be able to say, I don't have to be perfect on my podcast because at the end of the day, they want to hear you. They want to hear the people that you have and they want to hear your story because they want to know that they're not alone. The same in every aspect of life. Can I just note, uh, you don't have to be perfect. It's not about how much money you spent on your tools it's not about what education you have. Um, it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. Yeah. And it's the journey in between that gives you the most beauty. And a real satisfaction to see yeah. why you've it's, become. <laughs> it's so, and it's, and it's terrifying and it's fun. And then, and, and, and you laugh and, and then you just want to throw your computer out the window and, <laughs> and you just, you just are like, this is it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go get a job. I can't do this anymore. 
And then you, you have to slow down and go, no, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. These are the lessons that you have to learn. Julie, you're going to scrape your knees. Just put a bandaid on it, blow the dirt off and keep going. I think adults really forget that they are still learning and they should still be learning. And they decide that, you know, well, I mean, I, I wasn't good at painting when I was in high school, so I'm not a good painter, but I'm sorry, but if you, you know, you like, like anything, like learning to ride a bike, like learning to write words, if you sat down day after day, week after week, and you practice, you get better. It's, it's a craft. Everything is a craft. And I think, and, and I was talking about this on last week, my, the last week in my course was that we do such a disservice to children in the educational systems because they take one test and we give them a grade and we give them, they don't do it right. We give them an F and we tell them you failed and we don't give them a chance to redo it. They don't get a chance to go back and learn what they should have done and do something a little bit differently. And it carries over into adulthood where your example, uh, I, I sucked at painting. Well, you know what? I hated asparagus as a kid. I hated it. It was disgusting. I wouldn't eat it. And Malcolm and I were at my mom's house and my mom and dad's house and she made asparagus and she gave Malcolm some and he's like, ew, that's gross. And she's like, well, when's the last time you had it? And she's, he goes, I've never eaten it, grandma. That's gross. <laughs> and he said, well, my mom says it's gross. And my mom looked at me and she goes, well, when's the last time you had asparagus? I was like, I don't know. It's gross. Like when I was a little kid, she goes, oh no. And put it on my plate and made me eat it. And don't you know that I eat asparagus probably like twice or three times a week now? Because I have this idea and this belief that I carried forward that is just not relevant. So be open to new ideas and new beliefs. You never know what'll happen when you eat asparagus. Yeah. And it's a nice little notion to think that you can do anything. Yeah. You can be, you can be do, have anything that you want in this universe. Anything. You just, you just have to believe that you can have it. And if you don't believe you can have it, then it's not for you. And I, I, what is for you will not pass you by if you are open to receiving it. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I think um, that's a really good place to end this conversation. This has been an amazing conversation and I'm going to link the podcast and the website in the show notes so everybody can find you. And I'm going to stop this recording. See you guys. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m at medwards.media.